Thank you for taking time to listen to this week's message from Horizon West Church. You can find even more content, including video archives of this and other past messages at horizonwestchurch.com. And if you're in the Horizon West area, be sure to visit us sometime soon. Now enjoy this podcast from Horizon West Church. Before the service, we meet with our, our volunteer teams and uh and I just wanted to hear from them uh, a little bit on, on what was something this year that was a great moment for you, you know, because we've, we've heard a lot of the stuff that's not been so great all year on the news, and, and lot, we've experienced it, uh, but I wanted to, to hear what were the great moments, um, and I encourage you just to be kind of thinking on that. I'd love for those who are online, just maybe put in the comments what's been a great moment for you this year in a few words, um, but, you know, as we talked about that as volunteer team today, and I, and I asked for feedback. One of the things that was interesting was several of those who shared a great moment. Uh, the moment was new life. The birth of a child, uh, a pregnancy, the birth of a, a, a third or seventh grandchild or whatever it might be. And it just kind of dawned on me that, man, no matter what is going on, new life is always worth celebrating, right? It is always a good thing. And, and the second thought that came to me is, that's what Christmas is about, right? A celebration of new life. And so what we're going to do in this service is we're going to uh, talk a little bit about Christmas from the view of the shepherds. Now, if you were with us last week, this is going to be kind of a part two. We'll look at some different verses, but I want to invite you to go there. Luke chapter 2, verses 8 to 14. And you're going to see uh, some guys who had a great moment happen in their lives. Luke 2, 8 through 14. This is what it says. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger, and suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God, saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. And if you heard Linus's voice instead of mine, that's okay too, right? That's anytime I'm reading those for, lo, there was a, sh-, you know, it's like, all right, here we go. Christmas, that's what it's about, Right? This is, this is what's had the shepherds, the angels show up. And I want to tell you this, that this was a great moment for these shepherds, but they didn't even realize initially how great the moment was going to be. Great moments happen in every person's life, every family's life. You know, they also happen in the life of every nation. Every nation has great moments that it looks back on, and oftentimes there's memorials or holidays that celebrate those great moments. For Americans, moments like the Declaration of Independence in 1776, or the Emancipation Proclamation of 1862, or the March on Washington in 1963, and and we look back and we reflect on great national moments that evoke pride, right? And a sense of wonder of, man, that's my people, that's my nation, and look at these good Things that we've done, these are larger-than-life moments. Well, the nation of Israel also had a series of great moments in its national history. In fact, some of the greatest moments in the history of the nation of Israel, the greatest times were all kind of clumped together around one great moment or great event that was called the Exodus. I would submit to you this, 
that the Exodus, when the, the Israelites were released from captivity in Egypt, and if you've seen the, the old Charleston Heston movie for some of you, or The Prince of Egypt, a more modern rendition of it, The Parting of the Red Sea, all of these great moments, they're all kind of clustered into one, and for the nation of Israel, this was their ultimate moment. There was the burning bush, there was the Pharaoh, let my people go. There was the ten plagues, the parting of the Red Sea. There was the giving of the law at Mount Sinai. And every Jewish person in the first century would have known these moments and would have commemorated these moments, especially around a holiday called Passover. Jewish people then, as Jewish people now, this is one of the great holidays on the Jewish calendar. And I want to tell you something about Passover. You're going, Chris, we're in Christmas. This is a different holiday, but, but stay with me for a minute. Passover is a time when the Jewish people reflect on the moment when the blood was placed above the doorposts of their home that signified that they were safe from the angel of death. Now, if you remember the story, the 10th plague of God on the Egyptians was the death of the firstborn, and God showed up to Moses and said, Moses... If my people will place the blood of a lamb over the door, doorposts, the angel will pass over and they will not die. And every year for thousands of years, the nation of Israel, Jewish people all over the world celebrate this moment when God was merciful to them, when the blood on the doorposts caused the angel of death to pass over them. And at the conclusion of Passover, there is a statement that everyone makes at the end of the holiday. They say, next year in Jerusalem. Next year in Jerusalem. And that signifies the hope of the Messiah who would come, gather all of the people to the city of peace, and save and deliver them next year in Jerusalem. We'll put a pause on that for just a second. Last week, we talked about expecting and not expecting. And what I told you and what I believe is that though the Jewish people were looking for their Messiah in the first century, they missed him because he didn't come the way they expected him to come. That they were looking for something different. So here's what we're going to do today. We're going to answer two questions from last week's message. We're going to kind of finish it today in part two. Question number one, why did the Jewish people largely miss Jesus as their Messiah? And why did the good news come first to shepherds? Okay? So this is where we're going to go today. This is what we're going to answer. Let's look at this first one. Why did the Jewish people largely miss Jesus as Messiah? By the way, I say largely because there are many Jewish people who have not missed him as Messiah. There are many Jewish people who recognize Jesus is the Messiah of God and have put saving faith in him. But we know that most of the people of Jesus' day, and by the way, most people of every nation in every uh, time period have missed Jesus as the Messiah. Here's why. Because they're expecting the wrong thing and looking for the wrong type of rescue. Now, if we go back and we reflect on the story of the Jewish people leaving Egypt, what they received was a heroic savior in the form of a guy named Moses, right? Who raised his staff and boldly led them out of captivity into the promised land. That's what they were expecting the Messiah to be like. He's going to be like a second Moses. He's going to be this larger-than-life figure, and when he shows up, he's going to take down the Romans, not the Egyptians anymore, but the Romans, and he's going to deliver us from captivity. He's going to deliver us from Roman occupation. This is what they were looking for. 
But what they needed, what we needed, and what Jesus came to fulfill was a different aspect of the Passover story. Stay with me for a moment. Remember that I told you that a part of the Passover story was the blood of the lamb placed on the doorposts, meaning the angel would pass over and not touch the Jewish people, the Hebrews. What I believe is that the Jewish people of Jesus' day were looking for another Moses, and what they needed was the perfect lamb. You see that? Before he would be a savior to lead them, he had to be the sacrifice for their sins, the blood of the lamb. This is why Jesus' cousin, John, remember when John the Baptist showed up proclaiming the kingdom, he said, look, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The lamb of God, this is what they needed. Here's the point for us. Jesus did not come to bring temporary relief, but eternal redemption. See, there's a lot of people in our day that are going, man, 2020 has been terrible, right? Like, we need whatever it is, fill in the blank. And there are people that are putting all of their hope in the year 2021, to which I want to say, good luck with that, <laughs> right? Others are putting all of their hope in a medical breakthrough that's going to produce a, a vaccine that's going to deliver us. Others are putting their hope in a job or in a bank account or in a marriage or in their home. And all of these hopes are dead ends. They cannot meet our greatest need for redemption. And so my hope is in the thing that can never be taken from me, right? My hope is in the blood of a perfect sacrifice applied on my behalf that I can have a relationship with God, that I can have eternal life through faith in Jesus. That is where my hope. The Jewish people of Jesus' day missed Messiah for the same reason that most of us all over the world have missed him. We're looking for a change in our external circumstances and Jesus came to change the internal condition of our heart. Right? So, so, so this is why, question number one, why did people miss him? Why do people miss him? Because they're looking for something different, something more. And by the way, there are plenty of preachers and motivational speakers who will offer those crumbs to say, hey, Jesus can give you more money, right? And Jesus can improve your life. And he can, and Jesus is going to say, no, no, no. In this world, you're going to have trouble, but take heart. Why? Because I've overcome the world. That is where our hope lies. Here's question number two. Why did the good news appear first to shepherds? Now this is going to feel like two different uh, questions, but you're going to see that they lead together. Here's the answer. The reason that the good news first appeared to shepherds is because God was foreshadowing the type of savior that Jesus would be. Okay, And, and there's two aspects to this. The, the first is, I believe that God wanted to kind of send a shot across the bow that Jesus was going to have a special focus on the poor and the marginalized, okay? That's why he didn't show up to a king or a governor. He showed up to guys who smelled like sheep, standing in a pasture outside of a podunk place called Bethlehem. I think there's something in that. Isaiah 61, 1, the prophet uh, prophesied and foresaw this. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. Leave that there for just a second. If this sounds familiar to you, it's because in Luke chapter four, Jesus showed up to begin his earthly ministry and quoted this passage from Isaiah. And when he did, guess what he, what he did? He closed the scroll and sat down. 
in modern vernacular, that's called a mic drop, okay? He's saying, what Isaiah prophesied, this is gonna be true of me. I'm gonna be a savior who comes to proclaim good news to the poor. So what better avenue through which to proclaim it than shepherds, marginalized, off the radar. Nobody cared about these men, but the good news would come to them. For the good news to be proclaimed first to shepherds foreshadowed, I believe, the way that God would use the least and the lowest of the world to be proclaimers of the salvation message. And by the way, he has continued to do that in every generation. Oftentimes, it is not the world's wealthy and the world's famous and the world's powerful, but it is just regular people in regular places who are finding the Lord and who are coming to faith and who are conduits for the gospel message. Do you remember that when Jesus was raised to life, do you remember the first person to declare the good news of the resurrection? It was a woman named Mary. And Mary had been possessed by demons before she met Jesus. I mean, she was like ultimate outcast and it was not coincidental that God in his infinite wisdom said, there's a person that I want to be the first carrier of the good news resurrection message. I'm choosing Mary. It's the same reason he chose another Mary a young virgin in Nazareth, the same reason he would choose these shepherds. But there is another aspect to this answer of why God chose to reveal the good news first to shepherds, and I believe it's this, that there was something very unique about these particular shepherds outside of Bethlehem. I talked to you earlier about the, the blood of the lamb that was placed over the doorposts at Passover. And based on Levitical law that came just a few years after that, God prescribed that for the people's sin, they would have to offer a spotless lamb as sacrifice, and when the, the lamb was killed and the blood was poured out on the altar, that God would cover the sins of those people for a little while. But guess what they had to do the next time they sinned? Another lamb, another blood sacrifice. So who are these shepherds? Well, most scholars agree that these shepherds outside of Bethlehem are what, is, what are known as Levitical shepherds. Their job was to raise lambs who would be given as sacrifices in the temple in Jerusalem. So these men had to make sure that as the lambs were birthed, they were protected and they were cared for because if there was any spot, any injury, any blemish, they couldn't be offered as sacrifices. They had to be perfect and spotless lambs. Look again at what, what the angel says, Luke 2, verses 10 to 12. This is so cool. Watch this with me. This is again the message. The angel said to them, the shepherds, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you, remember that, for you, you will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. Leave that for just a second. Why would the angel say to these shepherds, there's gonna be a specific sign for you? Because they knew what to look for. They knew that when a lamb was born on that pasture outside of Bethlehem, they would immediately wrap it in swaddling cloths to protect it from injuring itself or getting a blemish and in some cases, perhaps even lay it in the feeding trough to make sure that it didn't get attacked. And then as the lamb grew up, they would be able to offer that lamb as sacrifice. So the angel says, this is gonna be the sign for you, shepherds. There's a baby, not a lamb, a child, but he's wrapped in swaddling cloths 
and he's lying in a manger. This sign would have immediately alerted these Levitical shepherds to the remarkable truth that the long-awaited Messiah was going to be the spotless lamb sacrificed for the sins of the world. That they would know the kind of Messiah that they were getting in that moment. I shared last week, and if you haven't yet watched it, I want to encourage you to do so, but uh, the, the producers of The Chosen, which is a, a mini-series on the life of Jesus, they've done a Christmas special called The Shepherd. Anybody gone out and watched that after I talked about it? A couple of you have? Uh, we watched it as a family uh, this week. But there's this awesome moment at the end of that short film uh, where the shepherd, who, who's portrayed earlier in the, in the show, and he's shown up with a lamb that wasn't perfect, and the priest kicks him out and, and berates him and sends him away. And now that shepherd and these other shepherds, they've been to the stable, they've seen the baby Jesus, they've understood his role and who he is. And at the end of the show, the shepherd shows back up in the city and the same priest sees him and he says to him, what are you doing? Why are you back? I told you never to come back here until you found the spotless lamb. So where is he? Have you found the perfect lamb for sacrifice? And the shepherd just stops and smiles, realizing that yes, in fact, we have. The one who would take away the sin of the world. Hebrews 9 verses 24 to 26 puts it this way. For Christ has entered not into holy places made with hands which are copies of the true things, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God on our behalf. Nor was it to offer himself repeatedly as the high priest enters the holy place every year with blood that is not his own. For then he would have had to suffer repeatedly since the foundation of the world. But as it is, he, Christ, has appeared once for all at the end of the ages to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. You need to know that on the final night of Jesus' life on earth, what Christmas foreshadowed on that first night in a pasture with shepherds, Jesus is now at a table with a group of men called disciples. And as they're preparing to eat the Passover supper together, Jesus takes wine and hands it to them and replacing the tradition of the lamb sacrifice, Jesus says to those men, this wine is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for you. Drink it in remembrance of me. And then he takes bread and he breaks the bread, symbolic of the breaking of the lamb at the altar, and he says, this bread is my body which is broken for you. Take and eat it whenever you do it in remembrance of me. See, I think those disciples still believed that Jesus was going to deliver them from Rome and Jesus was saying, no, I have something much greater to deliver you from. Guilt, sin, condemnation, eternal death, fear. I've come to save your soul. This is the gospel message. Romans 3.23 tells us that every person has sinned against God and against others. Romans 6.23 says that the only just response from God is a guilty verdict deserving of death. But John 3.16 tells us that God wasn't willing to lose us, that he loved us so much that he sent his son. And 2 Corinthians 5.21 says this, that he sent his own son Jesus to die the death we deserved so we could live eternal life that God desired for us. Friends, the, the Christmas story is not just a, a cute or a cool message or story. 
It's not just something to commemorate with nativity scenes or lights or trees. The Christmas story was the beginning of the end of God's redemptive plan. It's why Jesus, 33 years later, the same baby in a manger was now a grown man on a cross and said, it is finished, done. No more need for sacrifice, no more need for guilt, no more need for condemnation, for there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Thanks again for listening to the Horizon West Church Podcast. If you were inspired or encouraged by something you heard today, share it with a friend. For more information like our service times, location, and other info, be sure to visit us online at horizonwestchurch.com. Have a great week.